Are you going to be teaching kindergarten next year for the first time, or do you know someone who is? Teaching kindergarten for the first time can be overwhelming, and maybe you're feeling unsure of where to start. Well, look no further. I have the ultimate survival guide for new kindergarten teachers. I created it based on all the things that you need to rock teaching kindergarten next year. All the things I wish I had known as a brand new kindergarten teacher. Get your mindset ready to tackle the challenges of kindergarten, learn how to set up your classroom for success, and master key strategies for teaching effectively. Plus, prepare for the first week of school like a pro. Don't miss out on this free guide, and please share it with your new teammates and friends who are moving to kindergarten next year. Get ready to embark on an incredible journey in kindergarten education with me as your virtual teammate cheering you on. Download the free guide today at www.kindergartencafe.org slash new dash teacher. That's kindergartencafe.org slash new dash teacher. Welcome to the kindergarten team. Hey, teacher friends, it's Eva from Kindergarten Cafe. Do you have a block area? Send me a DM, code word, block area. Let me know. Do you have a block area? I'm so curious. I think classrooms are slowly getting rid of them because they need space for more academics or they don't have time for play. So I have a whole chunk of the classroom designated for a block area. But that makes me really sad. And hopefully this podcast episode will inspire you to find space for a block area, even if it's temporary. Think about ideas for how to make this space for your students and all the benefits that come from it. And of course, how to work smarter, not harder when coming up with your block area. Let's get into it. You're listening to the Kindergarten Cafe Podcast, where kindergarten teachers come to learn classroom-tested tips and tricks and teaching ideas they can use in their classroom right away. I'm Zeba, creator and founder of Kindergarten Cafe, and I help kindergarten teachers with everything they need from arrival to dismissal in order to save time, work smarter, not harder, and support students with engaging and purposeful lessons. I'm here to cheer you on through your successes and breakthroughs and offer support and resources so you never have to feel stuck or alone. Ready to start saving time and reducing your stress all while using effective and purposeful lessons that students love? Let's get started. So why a block area? Well, blocks are an amazing tool for students to use when playing. And there is so much learning, amazing learning that can come from playing with blocks. Students are making plans, making designs. They are practicing engineering because they're seeing which blocks could stand on other blocks and what will make it a sturdy structure and what will make it fall over. And They're constantly having to rebuild and rethink of their plans. I mean, there is so much amazing learning that comes from the block area and from playing with blocks. Sometimes, though, as with any area of the classroom, if we don't offer new materials or a new way to freshen it up, students will lose interest in it, possibly. And so we want to think of ways to offer new ideas or inspiration for the students. So I'll get into that in this episode. But Something to think about for why having a block area versus just having a bin of blocks is a block area offers students the opportunity to build 
and come back to their building days later, tweaking things, fixing things, making them better, reflecting on what worked, what didn't work, strategizing. The block area, if you have it in a space where you can leave the block set up, it's a great place for them to keep continuously rethinking about what they've built and thinking about how they can make it better. So that's a really great skill right there alone. The other reason I like a block area is because all the stuff is right there for the students and you don't have to, the students don't have to pull things out. And it's so hard when they work on something for so long and then it's time to clean up and that's that. And they're not finished yet with their idea that they had. So I love being able to have a block area in my classroom. I didn't have one for the first few years of being a kindergarten teacher because I could not find the space. I eventually found a really small table that I could use, put, found a spot right next to dramatic play that I could sort of push it up against a shelf that I didn't really need as much anymore. And voila, I have a block area. But if you really don't have the space, you can have a bin with blocks that kids can pull out and have a space where they can build on either on a table or on the rug. But if you can find a space where then they could even just leave the blocks up for a day or two, if they're really in the middle of a project, that would be something to think about how you could be flexible with them. If they're really working hard on a big creation, is there a way that they could leave that creation for a day or two? If you really don't have space, it's okay. It happens. Kids learn how to deal with it. They can take a picture. They can take a video. They can draw down what they've built and you can keep the drawings for them for next time. It's okay. But something to think about when you're setting up your classroom, maybe next year, maybe when you're thinking about that at the end of this year, might be, do I have space for a block area? And like I said, it does not have to be a complicated area. I simply have a small table. That's my block area. And it's put up against the backside of the dramatic play area. I have some bins under the table, like literally just on the floor under the table or on the shelf next to it. And that's it. I have a couple of different types of blocks. So I have the big wooden blocks. I have some small, colorful wooden blocks. And then I have some plastic roads and cars and road signs and some different wooden figurines that kids can pretend are the people in their little block area, as well as maybe some like little animals that they like little figurines. So I have those out as inspiration for the students. And just it's very cool to see what they create with all of those. As the year progresses, as I notice what they're doing, they might notice other things in the classroom. They might be inspired by something else. So one time I had students ask if they could use these foam geo blocks that we use in math for teaching about 3D shapes. And I don't have a ton of them, but they asked if they could use them. And then they found somewhere like a big string and they connected some string to the block towers that they had built then they got some stuffed animals from around the room and they made a zip line it was so creative so yes i have set tools set toys that are used in the block area but i also am open to my students being creative with materials i have around the classroom for using in the block area i don't do that right away but as they're working there i might ask oh is there something else you'd like to try using Is there another tool you'd like to check out? And this gets them in the habit of asking to try out different things from around the room. The other thing that I have in my block area as inspiration are real life photos of buildings from around the world. 
And so I wanted to inspire them with these buildings. And they're different kinds of buildings and there's different styles of architecture. And I made sure to use examples and photos from all, well, not seven continents because not Antarctica, but six continents of the world are represented in places where my students are from. They'll see examples of architecture that they're familiar with. I've also included visual examples of standard types of buildings or architecture. So a zoo, for example, or a boat, or a forest, castle, just a generic castle, so that kids might be inspired to make those things in their block area. So they can sort of flip through these cards with the pictures and the visuals and decide for themselves what they're going to build that day. Whenever possible, too, I love to connect books with the block area. A really fun one I do every year is with the three billy goats gruff. I have them make the bridge that the troll is under and have them sort of reenact the story that way. I'll also near uh, Halloween time when we sing or say the chant about the five pumpkins sitting on a gate, I'll do a challenge for them to sit five, they're not pumpkins, they're more just uh, five balls or marbles or something that I have around the classroom and have those sit on the structure that they've built. And can they stay there? Or do they roll off? Another fun one is the three little pigs and seeing if they can build a structure that the big bad wolf cannot blow down. And then they act as the big bad wolf blowing uh, down the structure. <laughs> that's really, that's a really fun one. So when I want to inspire students with the books that we've been reading, I'll just simply put the book in the block area. And then I might say to them, oh, a challenge for you today could be building a bridge that the troll can live under for the three billy goats gruff. And it helps to, you know, change these things up, trade things out to keep the interest and engagement high. But if kids have other ideas for what they want to build there, go for it. That's what it's for. It's for creativity. So I'm not going to force them to stick with that block challenge. But I hope that those challenges or visuals examples can help inspire them in their play. Speaking of their play, I love using my play areas as opportunities for purposeful, more purposeful play. And one of the ways I like to do that is by having planning sheets available to really deepen their engagement and give them a chance to plan ahead of time what they're going to build and then connect that to what they eventually build and maybe do they need to make any revisions, things like that. So I make it look like a real blueprint, like a construction you would see at the construction site. And so it's a fun way for them to draw out what their ideas are and then to label it on their planning sheet. And it's just great connection to some of the academic content that they're learning. And especially the kids that are more reluctant to write often are very excited by building and so it's a sneaky way to get them to write while they're doing something they really love, adding labels to their planning sheet, but also adding labels to their structure. Make a sign. Encourage them to make a sign for what they built. Um, encourage them to make a sign saying, please don't touch this. Leave this for tomorrow. I'm coming back. Whatever it is that they're feeling. Those are the kids that when they, they're groaning, when you say it's time to write and they don't know what to do and they don't want to write you say to do that for their block structure, they run over and write without problem, without hesitation or complaint. So whenever possible, I try to find ways like that to connect to literacy when the kids are working in the block area. 
And a simple way to do that is just to have the planning sheets and a cup of pencils right nearby so that if they feel so inspired, they pick it up and they start drawing. And when kids do that and you share their work with the class, you shared their planning, you shared how they added labels, you shared what the finished product looked like, then kids will be inspired to do that themselves and you'll see more and more and more of that. I do think that having reflection time for students makes the play even more valuable, even more, I don't know if valuable is the right word, purposeful, provides even more learning opportunities for them. Because when we let kids just go off and play, that's great. They're doing all the amazing benefits of that play has, but letting them reflect on how it went just gives them a little bit more of an edge on cementing that learning on realizing that they've had really good learning in the block area, for example. You know, reflecting on, well, I wanted to build a zoo, but then the gate kept falling down, so I had to make it smaller. And then my friend came over and we decided to change it. And that shows that they're able to be flexible with their ideas and revise their plan. And we can sort of jump in and say, wow, you really were revising like an engineer when something wasn't working you found a different way so that reflection goes both ways where it's not just the kids talking about it but you're also able to then add in the important learning that they were doing in that block area and this is a great chance to get feedback from them on the play area on if there's other tools that they want to try out or if there's something that they want to make it a better block area this is your chance to talk to them about it. And so it should be a flexible space. It should not be, you know, a space that you set up in September and never, ever change again. And it stays the same the whole year round. No, you want to have different ways to inspire students. You want to pull out different tools. Something that I just did was I actually temporarily took away my dramatic play area and made my block area epically large because I found this rug and I was inspired by this rug of building a community. It was like a a map or a street, pictures of streets on the rug. And so the kids were inspired then to build a really epically large community with all the blocks and they had so much fun. I won't do that forever because I still find dramatic play very valuable. And unfortunately, I don't have space to make that a permanent change, but I could see doing that every so often because my students this year really love building and so they are more inspired by that. So there's ways to be flexible with the space and keep it engaging for students and not have it be a ton of work on your end as one more thing to add to your plate. It can just be a space in your classroom where you don't really have to think about it. You think about it every now and then of changing things up when you notice kids' engagement waning. And then you ask them what they what else they want to try. Maybe you bring in a photograph of a real place or you bring in a book you've been reading and see where the kids take it or simply just put out a different building material, something they haven't tried, something they maybe haven't thought of as a building material. See what they do with it. So those are my ideas for keeping your block area engaging and still simple. And I want to hear if you have other ideas as well. So definitely send me that message with the words block area and let me know if you have any really awesome ideas to add for your block area. I would love to hear them. So in terms of the quote of the day, I did not have anything block area related. I really searched all my notes 
and I listened and uh, I got nothing. But I have a really fun quote, which is, I love unicorns so much, I could even make a horn with my hair and then visualize this child prancing around the classroom with hair like a horn. It was awesome. And on that, I will talk to you in the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the Kindergarten Cafe podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information and resources, or just head straight to kindergartencafe.org for all the goodies. If you liked this episode, the best ways to show your support are to subscribe, leave a review, or send it to a friend. I'll be back next week with even more kindergarten tips. See you then.